You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. This is a big deal here to us. That's why we're doing two services again. It's because we don't want anybody to miss Easter. So uh, we know we're, like, so thankful. If you're on our kids' team, we love you. We're thankful. I just love every time the kids yell. It just, like, reminds us that ministry is happening here. And so if anyone says, like, why are the kids so loud, I'm just going to tell them to be louder just to get at you. So, Because <laughs> we want to hear them. We want that next generation of young people who are just passionate about the Lord. My daughter knows so many Bible verses, and I'm so thankful to our incredible kids' team. Um, it really is such a blessing. But Easter is such a big deal. But here's what I want to say. Before we get to Easter, which is next Sunday, there's something special that we need to talk about. And today is Palm Sunday. Turn to your neighbor and say, Palm Sunday. You don't have a neighbor. You can turn to Terry. (laughs) To really understand Palm Sunday, I think we need to ask this question. I don't know if you've ever asked this. But we need to ask the question, why did Jesus have to die? Like, isn't it slightly, like it's 2019, isn't it a little like barbaric that like the church is always talking about blood? Like, isn't that a little much? Like if God's God, why did Jesus have to die? He could have done anything, right? Like, why does Jesus have to die? Why is Palm Sunday a big deal? Like, why? Um, And I want to explain that to you this morning because I think, and this is what I firmly believe, Again, we don't do any of these things. We don't go to two services. We don't, we don't um, do a park day. We don't do Palm Sunday. We don't do any of these things to build up Katie and my ego or our team's ego. We do this because we desire that people who are far from God can experience new life in Jesus Christ. That's why. That's why we do it because the reason we're doing two services is because I'm trying to give as many opportunities for people that we can actually, like, manage with the amount of people. If we could manage five, I'd do five. If we could manage 20, I would do 20 because you have a 50%, actually, it's 40%, more likely chance if you invite somebody on Easter, you have a 40% greater chance that they're going to come just on Easter. And so I want, I want as many opportunities for someone because I've found new life in Jesus Christ. And I believe if you find it too, that it will change everything about your future. It will change everything about your present. And it will heal your past. And so we want to give as many opportunities on Easter. So I want to encourage you, if you've been really waiting for Easter, I, I don't care about those numbers. That's not what I care about. I care about the numbers in heaven. And so if you want to be a part of that, that could be your friend, your family members. One day that they encounter the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. Don't miss it. I told Terry the other day we were talking about this, like, if you knew, if you knew your neighbor was starving, would you not feed them? Of course. Let me tell you, your neighbor's hungry. Your neighbor's hungry. But this morning, we're going to talk about why Jesus had to die. We're going to talk a little about this because I want to give some context. So if you brought your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Exodus 12. If not, the words will be on the screen. If you haven't gotten coffee, um, our main man, Reuben, is roasting his own coffee in our lobby and has... (laughs) <laughs> have you ever wondered why you can never play an Easter? Have you, wonder, have you ever wondered this, like, Easter either sneaks up or it's really far but somehow sneaks up on you? It's like, what, what, what's going on with Easter? Like, I know what I'm going to be doing December 25th probably till I die. Like, we all know this, right? I know what I'm going to be doing on the 4th of July. It's in the name, y'all. Like, they put it right into the name. But... We struggle with Easter, and so every time around Palm Sunday, by every time I mean the two times that I've been here on Palm Sunday, um, 
I, I like to share a little bit about why Easter is where it is because I think if you understand some things in sequence, it'll better uh, inform our understanding of why today is so special. So I want to give you a little like scientific context. Is that cool? Are we good with that? Amen? Amen. Awesome. Um, Easter is, I think, one of the most nomadic days in the calendar because of what it's based off of is Easter is based off the lunar calendar. Everyone's like, oh. Everyone, you guys all have your lunar calendars with you? Good, good. Thank you, Christian. There's probably an app for that. There better be. Um, but Easter always follows Passover. That's why it moves. Way more clear now, right? Everyone, because you all celebrate Passover. Um, <laughs> No. So here, let me explain then, obviously. Let me explain where Passover is. Passover, get this. This is a phrase you can write down and remember. I share this every year because I think it's important. But Passover is the first Thursday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. To which everyone said, oh, thank goodness. Altar call. <laughs> Lives are being changed, y'all. But listen, okay, the vernal equinox. What's the vernal? So Passover is the first Thursday after the first full moon, after the vernal equinox. And the vernal equinox uh, is the day the sun crosses the equator. Some of you guys might know this. What day is that? The first day of spring. You nailed it. It's the first day of spring. So the vernal equinox, that is the first day of spring. So the lunar calendar is what tells us. It's just, I like this stuff. I hope you like it. You're here now, so enjoy it. But the, the lunar calendar is what tells us the vernal equinox. That's the first day of spring. It's what tells us the autumnal, autumnal, there we go, equinox, which is fall. It tells us the winter solstice, least amount of sunlight in the day, and the summer solstice, the most amount of sunlight in the day. So have you ever wondered why there's this one day in June where it feels like the sky is just extra hard trying to punish you for living? That is usually the, uh, the summer solstice, the most sunlight. The sun has the most chance to fry you alive in your car. That is that day. It's usually like June 20th, 22nd, somewhere around there. So if you can go out of town, I won't blame you, but you got to promise to be here July 7th because we're doing a Feed One Sunday, and we're going to feed kids all around the world. So you can skip the 22nd, but you got to be back. Um, <laughs> but so... The date of Easter then always follows Passover, and Passover, again, the slide, Passover is the first Thursday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. So in order to really, I believe if you could really, in order to understand Easter and how important it is and why we do it, it's not just about bunnies and eggs and the amazing kids carnival, it's so much more. Uh, it, you have to understand Palm Sunday, but what I what I grew up listening to and working was not only explaining Palm Sunday, but explaining one step further, which is ex explaining Passover. Because I believe in order to understand this, you got to understand Passover, which is a good question, if you don't know, is what is Passover? Turn to your friend and say, Passover. Turn to your other friend and, pay, and say, Overpass. Not related. I just want to get you moving. Uh, so Passover is a festival where Israel would celebrate God delivering them from the Egyptians. It was, a, it was a festival where they would celebrate their delivery out of slavery. How many of you were here for the Joseph series? You guys remember that Joseph Dreamer series? And we talked about it, ended with uh, the Joseph's family in Israel coming and living in Egypt and settling in Goshen and, and beginning to grow. But it said in there, if you remember, if you were here, that the next pharaoh was not a big fan of them, so he put them in slavery. And so the next pharaoh 
put them as slaves and laborers, and they started to cry out to God, right? Because nobody enjoys slavery, and if you're in slavery, I recommend crying out to God. And so they begin to cry out to God using the Hebrew word Hosanna. And Hosanna means God save us. That's what it means. And so all the Hebrews would gather together and they would call, and like a call in response, they would say, God save us, God rescue us, God deliver us, and someone would reply, Hosanna. Can we, do you think we could do this today? What do you think? We got this? Everyone got this? So if I say, then you'll reply, Hosanna. So that's your part, Hosanna. Okay, everyone got that? So if I say, God save us, God rescue us, God deliver us, perfect, awesome. See, the children of Israel, God's chosen people, they would get together and they would cry out to God, God save us. Oh, <laughs> we got, they would cry out, God save us. Yeah, there we go. Turn your neighbor and say, good job. You did it. Good job. You did it. So they would cry out, and, and so what happened is they'd cry out to God, and God sent Moses. I would love to do a series on Exodus. Man, my allergies. I would love to do a series on Exodus, and, and we'll get there. Trust me, and I'll share all of this. But they cry out, and God sends Moses, and Moses comes to Pharaoh and says, hey, you need to let my people go. We're going to go worship up in the hill country here. We promise we'll come back. And Pharaoh says, no, you won't. Because um, nobody gets released from slavery for like half an hour and comes back. So he's like, no. So Moses keeps going and saying, you got to release my people. You got to release my people. You got to release. And every time Pharaoh said no, God would send a plague. So, no, I'm good. Thanks, man. So by the 10th time, he sends the 10th plague. And the 10th plague is as uh, foreboding as it sounds. It's the plague of death. And so... Pharaoh at this moment is in such complete defiance of God. He says, I will not release the people. You're going to be slaves forever. You're not taking my labor. We're not leaving this place. And so God sends the plague of death. And basically God warns his people, warns Israel. He says, I'm going to send the angel of death to Egypt. And the angel of death is going to come and every firstborn male of every family and every firstborn male of every animal, the angel of death is going to kill. But God tells his people, if you slaughter a lamb and you take that, uh, the blood of the lamb and you put it on the, on the frame and on the posts of your house, if you know the Bible, you're jumping ahead already, but don't, the posts and the frame of your house, then the angel will pass over you because blood has been shed and it won't go to your house because a debt has been paid. So here's, here's how it goes. Are you guys ready? We're in Exodus 12. You still with me? So Exodus 12.1, I want to read this together because, again, if, if you understand Passover, you understand Palm Sunday. When is Passover? It's the first Thursday after the first full moon after the vernal equinox. Nailed it. Uh, so understand Passover, understand Palm Sunday. It's so key. So let's read together Exodus 12. It says, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, This month for you shall be... Uh, Sorry, this month shall be for you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year for you. So all these dates are going to start coming together, so don't stress out too far. But God's kind of setting the standard for what he wants to do. Uh, verse 3. Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's house, a lamb for the household. So catch this date, write it down, underline it, or put it in your mind, or whatever you want to do. It's the tenth day. So the tenth day is called Lamb Selection Day. 
Lamb Selection Day. Write that down. Think it in your brain. Tell your neighbor. Text your friend. Whatever you want to do. Lamb Selection Day. And so it says on the 10th day, they would go select a lamb. And then it says what kind of lamb. It says, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male a year old. You may take it from the sheep or, for, or from the goats. So on the 10th day, they go out and they're supposed to find a perfect, spotless lamb to be selected. Everyone's still with me? Lamb selection day. Okay, verse 6. It says then, it says, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. So you get the lamb on the 10th day, you keep it just long enough for the kids to get attached to it, and then you kill it on the 14th day. Like they've named it Fluffy. <laughs> like, sorry, Fluffy's got to go because we don't want you to die. <laughs> so they keep it long enough. But on the 14th day, the community will, will slaughter it. And, and then it says, verse 7, then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the house in which they eat it. They shall eat the flesh that night, roast it on the fire with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall eat it. So notice he hasn't told them why yet. Some of you, this is where you are in life. God is like giving you direction, but he hasn't told you why. He's just saying, this is what you need to do because I'm going to do something. But it says in, in verse 8 that they're supposed to eat unleavened bread. Why is that important? Gluten allergies or whatever. The stomach can't break it down. No, it's because I, I enjoy making bread. And there's one thing that always gets me about bread is that it takes forever. Because bread with yeast has to rise. So if you make bread and you think you're going to eat it in 30 minutes, you are sadly wrong. You got a day. And so what God was saying to him is, hey, listen, you have to be prepared for what I'm going to do. Follow me here. Is that they've been crying out, God save us. God rescue us. God deliver us. And God is saying your salvation is now here, and I don't want you waiting around for the sustenance of slavery when I've called you to step into salvation. See, some of you, you didn't follow that, so I'm going to tell you because this is, we're not even to the point yet, but this needs to apply to your life. Some of you are so satisfied saying, staying with the sustenance of your slavery that you could get mixed up in your slavery and stay over here. When God is calling you saying, I'm trying to bring you out into freedom now. But you're like, but I like eating this kind of bread. He's like, well, then you must like being a slave. Because freedom is better than bread, and it is crazy what we will, we will settle for in our slavery when God is calling us to salvation. And so he's telling his people, people are not different than and now. We're the same. The news wants to tell you this generation is different and this generation. We're all the same. We're all the same. You could be 60 or 16. We're all the same. We will sit in what is comfortable and secure, even though that security is called slavery. But God has called us into salvation. And so he's saying to his people, listen, don't even put yeast in it. Because when it happens, it's going to happen fast. Man, when you discovered Christ, didn't you feel like it happened kind of quick? Like some of you guys, you're like, you were just working and all of a sudden like someone shared Christ with you and it changed your life. And you're like, I don't even know what to do with this. But it's like not anyone was like, hey, man, let's prep. Let's go through an eight-week program. And then after the end of eight weeks, then maybe you can make, like someone just told you and you're like, that sounds amazing. I want to be in slavery. I want to be free. And then, then you had to figure out what to do with it, right? But he says, get ready. And so then verse, if we, if we keep going, uh, 
Verse 11, in this manner you shall eat it with your belt fastened, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. That's what the words introduce, Passover. But I think this is so key. I, I think it's so interesting. He's saying you got to eat it, like be ready. Man, some of us, we're like, we live as if we're not ready for salvation. Like we don't think it will come. We don't think it will happen. And so we just, we live in that space. And he said, hey, get ready, because I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to bring you into new life. I'm going to bring you out of slavery. So you got to be ready, because I don't want anyone left behind. I want you all coming with me. And what happens is going to happen fast. So verse 12 through 13, here's what he says. He says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. So you say, how can you execute the judgment? He tells you, I am the Lord. Verse 13, and the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. So when the wrath of God comes, he says, I will see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Passover, this is the formula. Follow me here. On the 10th day. You're supposed to go out. You're supposed to find a spotless lamb. You keep that lamb until the 14th day. On the 14th day, you kill the lamb. You, you eat it. You feast. And then you take the blood and you put it on the door. And then when the, the mighty hand of God comes upon Egypt to deliver you, it will see the price of blood that has been paid and it will pass over you. Everyone's still with me. Everyone's something good. So this is what they did. They did that on the 10th day. They went out to the fields, the places, the farms, the markets. They got a lamb. They brought it in on the 14th day. They slaughtered the lamb. They put it on the doorpost. And when the angel came, they were saved. Egypt wasn't so lucky. The Egyptians who did not follow uh, the command of God, who are not the Israelites, were not so lucky. And it says, if you skip down in your Bibles to verse 30, uh, Exodus 12:30 it says, and the Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, up, go out from my people, both you and the people of Israel, go and serve the Lord as you have said, take the flocks and your herds as you have said, and be gone and bless me also. See, the people were delivered that night. Not only from slavery, not only, not only, I mean, not only from the angel of death, but from slavery. They were released. They were freed. And so that's Passover. Everyone feel like you understand Passover a little better? Raise your hand if you believe. Okay, you're good with me. Okay, good. So for 1,500 years then, they would celebrate Passover. So on the first Thursday after the first full moon, after, after the vernal equinox, the Jewish people would gather and they would celebrate Passover and they would celebrate their moment of deliverance from slavery, the price that was paid, that, the, that death might pass them over, and they would celebrate when they were brought out of their captivity and together they would begin to shout, God, rescue us. God, save us. God, deliver us. And God would send them a prophet. And the prophet would say, a Savior is coming to deliver you. A Savior is coming to save you. A Savior is coming to rescue you. They would cry out when they were in Babylon in exile. They would cry out when they were taken over. They would cry out in captivity. They would cry out in the return. And now what we see in the New Testament is that 1,500 years later, they're under Roman rule. 
and the people are oppressed by the Roman Empire. And so 1,500 years of crying out to God over and over and over. They're occupied by the Romans, and they're crying out again. They're crying out to the Lord. They're crying out to be saved. They're crying out to be freed. And so it's the 10th day, and I want to give you context here. It's the 10th day, and the 10th day is what? If you know it, say it. Lamb selection. Everybody say lamb selection day. Perfect. The 10th day is lamb selection day. And since the 10th day is lamb selection day, what do you got to do if you're a good Jewish person? You're out looking for a sheep. And so you got to go to the market, you got to go to the countryside, you got to go to the hills, you got to barter with somebody. Like, here, here's eight, I don't know how much a sheep is in bartering. Like, here's like half a goat. I don't know, like, what the rules are. But you got to go to the different places and begin to find a sheep and, and begin to find this lamb and search all over high and low to find a spotless lamb. And so basically it's the 10th day. And on the 10th day people are searching. And as they're searching they would come together in the assemblies and they would say, God rescue us. God save us. God deliver us. And they would find these lambs and as they're crying out, as they're crying out, Hosanna, 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 Jesus rides in. Jesus comes in. 1,500 years, Hosanna, 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 spotless lamb, spotless lamb, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Jesus rides in. Matthew 21, 8 through 9. If you have your Bibles, if not, it will be on the screen. It says this. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road. While others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. This is where you get palms. Some say palm branches. The crowds that went ahead of him and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. See, it sounds like a nice religious word unless you spent thousands of years in slavery crying it out. Then it feels like desperation for your family. You know what you don't want to do if you're in slavery? See your children in slavery. It's enough for you. It's something else for the next generation. That's a whole other message. But they begin to cry out. And so on that day, they're searching for a spotless lamb that might stand for the price that was paid, that death would pass them over, that the wrath would go past them. Jesus comes in and God is saying over thousands of years of history, not only in that moment, but looking to you and I today and saying, I have chosen the spotless lamb for you for once for all. And when John the Baptist saw Jesus, here's what he said. He said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. See, why is Palm Sunday such a big deal? It's because 2,000 years ago, Jesus came to your rescue. Did you know that? You might think, oh, I found Jesus now. He rescued me now. No, let me tell you, 2,000 years ago, Jesus rode into town as the greatest comeback that has ever happened in the history of the universe that was planned from the beginning. And he rides in to say, I am the spotless lamb to take away the sin of the world. See, Jesus rode in knowing that he would be slaughtered, knowing that he would pay the price, knowing that he would be the lamb. That's why in Luke 22, when he's sitting with his disciples, he says, this is my body that is broken for you. This is my blood 
that is poured out for you. See, they understood blood. Why did they understand blood? They understood blood because they conceptually understood at the time of animal sacrifice that the blood of a perfect, spotless, innocent lamb had to be shed so that they might escape the clutches of death, that they might be delivered from their slavery. And so when Jesus says, my, the, my, um, the wine is my blood, they got it. Well, some of them did, some of them didn't. Is that they said, he said, listen, this is my blood that will be poured out because I am the perfect spotless lamb. See, this is why Easter is so important. It's not about carnivals. It's not about attendance. It's not about people doing things. It's not about Instagram filters and sending things and talking about, I love all that stuff. It's not about the cool stuff the cafe is going to do. It's not about guest gifts. It's about the fact that 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and was the blood, and he covered us, and he sacrificed for us, and he was perfect and spotless, and he paid the price for us that for generations, people have been calling out Hosanna so that someone might come and deliver them and what we what we packed this place out to hear is that he came and he delivered 2,000 years ago amen that's why it's so important is in the end Jesus wins in the end Jesus wins in the end he's victorious I want to read to you one of my favorite scriptures this morning it's 2nd Corinthians 5 21 if you brought your Bibles go ahead and open up to that real quick Pages are all stuck together because of coffee, so I'm just going <laughs> to, my goodness. It says this, 521. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. For our sake, he made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in through him we might become the righteousness of God. God made him who had no sin. What does that mean? He's talking about Jesus, the perfect, sinless, spotless lamb of God, the Messiah, to be sin for us. You know what this is called? This is called substitutionary atonement. If you're a theology person, just write that word down. It'll make you sound smart at parties. But if not, write it in your heart because it'll transform the way you see yourself. Is it substitutionary atonement? Is because it's substitutionary because Jesus died in our place. It's atonement because it covers, it wipes away. It removes. This means Jesus died in our place to pay our debt for our sins. Sin is when you and I put ourselves in God's place. Salvation is when God put himself in our place. Let me hear it again because I, I, I think you need to hear this to transform the way you see your life, the way you see evangelism, the way you see the hope of your future is that sin is when you and I put ourselves in God's place. But salvation is when God put himself in our place. Martin Luther referred to that as the great exchange. He said, that is the mystery which is rich in divine grace to sinners, wherein by a wonderful exchange our sins are no longer ours but Christ's. And the righteousness of Christ, not Christ, but ours. He has emptied himself of his righteousness that we might clothe, that he might clothe, clothe us with it and fill us with it. And he has taken our evils upon himself that he might deliver us from them. In the same manner as he grieved and suffered for our sins and was confounded, in the same manner we rejoice and glory in his righteousness. Why is it a great exchange? Because Jesus Christ transferred the debt of sin onto himself. 
See, we come to Jesus with the only thing we can, our brokenness, our failures, our worst moments, our shame. We bring all of it, all the things that separated us, our sin and our shame, and we bring it to God. And God loves us so much, and Jesus loved us so much, and he loved you so much that he takes it all upon himself. And he takes it to the cross in exchange for brokenness, in exchange for shame, in exchange for sin. Jesus gives us his righteousness. See, we know, and Jesus knows that in the world, God will judge the world because sin is what separates us from God. But when, as the scripture says, when God looks at you, he won't see your sin or your shame. He'll see the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He'll see the blood of Jesus covering you. And when he looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus, and he loves you, and he embraces you, and he rescues you, and he saves you, and he releases you, and he frees you, and he passes over you with his judgment. And though you feel like the dirtiest of sinners, it doesn't matter. It's not about your dirt. It's about his blood. And he's covered you and he's released you. And when he comes, it passes over you. And death does not come to your door. Can I tell you, that should motivate us to evangelism. This isn't in my notes, but that should motivate us. If you knew death was going to visit your neighbor, would you just be okay enough with it passing you over? That's not meant to shame you. That's meant to stir it up because we, we, get, we get a little trapped and a little scared. But can I tell you, if you knew your neighbor was dying, you wouldn't care how medically trained you were. Some CPR is better than no CPR. I just learned this the other day in my adoption classes. you got to get over there and start doing chest compressions and waking that heart back up. Right? You just keep pressing down until a certified medical professional comes along. But the peer person in the house next to you is dying. And, and, and it's not enough to say, Jesus has covered. i got the blood of Jesus coming to the angel of death. What about this person? Because can I tell you, this is the plan from the beginning. If you go back a couple verses from where we just let on the, invite the band up, I'm almost done. If we go back just a couple verses from what we just read in 2 Corinthians 5, you go to verse 18. Actually, let's go to 17 just for the fun. It's not on the slide, but I'm going to read it because I love the Bible. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. See, God delivered his people from Egypt. And for 1,500 years they cried out, God save us. God rescue us. God deliver us. And God sent deliverance on the 10th day. The perfect lamb came riding in and he was slaughtered for, for our sins, not for his sins. And he covered us with his blood so we would receive his righteousness. And it was God's plan all along knowing he would send his son. To do what? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did Jesus have to die? Why did he have to die? Why did he have to suffer a brutal death on, on Good Friday? One of the most sobering but incredible and powerful things we'll do is remember the sacrifice of Jesus and receive communion together. Verse 18, why did he have to die to reconcile us to himself? 
God loves you so much that he was willing to sacrifice immensely for you so that you might discover the righteousness of Jesus Christ in new life. God loves your neighbor so much that he was willing to sacrifice for them that they might discover a new life in Christ. God loves the person at your work that drives you crazy and, and just makes you want to flip out. He loved them so much. He gave his son to reconcile himself. We say you don't just say love, you got to show love. And let me tell you, the greatest act of love is Jesus Christ. And when he comes riding in fully knowing the death that he's going to have to suffer, he looks throughout time and he looks to you and he says, I love you. I'm here for you. Palm Sunday, it's a fun day, but it's a day for you to hear and remember that God came for you. And the reason that we celebrate Palm Sunday and the reason that we remind ourselves on Palm Sunday about Passover so that we might understand Palm Sunday is because then it informs our understanding of Easter. Because if you're here this morning and you're saying, I need to be rescued, I need to be delivered, then let me tell you, this is your day. This is your moment that God has come to meet you and say, listen, you don't have to be a slave to shame anymore. You don't have to be a slave to say, I don't know, I don't care how you came in here. I don't know if a church person told you you couldn't get rescued because of who you are and your background or your job or your thing. I don't care. I believe in salvation for you in your life. I believe the Lord brings you to repentance. I believe the Lord transforms you. But you're transformed because of the love of God, not to earn the love of God. And so this morning, where whoever you are, I believe that you can receive salvation through Jesus Christ and a filling of the Holy Spirit this morning. I believe that for your life. But this morning, if you've received that, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, if you have received that, if you got the blood on your doorpost, can you imagine what the Israelites might have heard that night? Could you imagine? Can you imagine waking up and hearing your neighbor cry at loss? I believe in the spirit there's a silent cry for the city of Scottsdale as people are waking up every day realizing the weight of loss. And God is calling the church to bring them into your house. It says, whoever's in your house, whoever's in, it's going to pass over. And I believe that God is calling some people this morning to get a fire, to get a desire, to get a love, not to be the greatest street evangelist of all time, but invite your neighbor into your house that they might be covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ. This is the house. And the question this week is this, are you going to go out on a limb or are you comfortable with death passing you by to hit someone else? You've got to ask yourself those real questions. I know it's not fun. I know it's not exciting. But it's the Bible. we got to ask ourselves this week, will I reach out? And some of you, you don't know anybody. That's okay. Just pray. Just pray. I in the Pray. God, would you impact the people around me? You're going to meet someone this week. Can I tell you? Everybody's looking for Jesus. You're going to meet someone this week who needs the love of Jesus Christ. They're your cashier. Maybe they work right next door. Whatever it might be, you're going to meet them. And God's saying, will you reach out to them and show the love of God? Would you stand with me this morning? Two things I want to do. Would you just bow your head and close your eyes with me this morning? Two things I want to do. One is if you've never experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ, you've never had that moment of really understanding the reconciliation that comes through him, and you're saying, I want new life. I don't want to be caught in, in slavery. I don't want to be caught in death. I don't want to be caught in these things, but I just want to begin new life this morning. Would you do me a favor? If that's you in this place, and you're saying, I want to take that step, we're going to pray in a second, but if that's you, would you just raise your hand? And I want, we're going to rejoice. Just raise your hand this morning. Awesome. Thank you. 
Let's pray together. I'm just going to pray. And if, if you're here and, and you've prayed that this morning and you've said, or you've uh, made that step this morning, I want to pray for you and begin that new life. And uh, you'll see in a little bit on a connection card you can mark to take that next step. And we want to join you with that. But I'm going to, let's pray together. God, we just thank you for every heart this morning that declared that they're starting a new life with you, that the old is gone, the new has come, that they're covered by your righteousness, your blood, your sacrifice, God, that they're no longer a slave to sin and shame. We thank you that your word says that all those who call upon you, who come to you, their faces are radiant, that they're never covered by shame. So we just say thank you in the name of Jesus that there's no condemnation, but there's only freedom and life and joy. And we just say thank you, God, you're a good God. And we rejoice over every person who's chosen this morning to take that next step of salvation. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.